0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: You know, we've been going through uh, the Gospel of Matthew... We're up to chapter 10, and we've been looking at Jesus and his teaching and his life and his interaction with others. Now, at the end of chapter 9, I think it's very interesting, Jesus gives an assessment of where the world is at today, where people are at today, and he basically assesses that people are harassed, they're scattered, they're hopeless, and they basically have no guidance. They're they're sheep without a shepherd. And 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 let's be honest, that's a pretty realistic assessment of us, isn't it? Yes, there are times when things are wonderful, but for a large part of our lives, we just seem totally helpless. We seem harassed by life. It's like, can it not get any worse? So then Jesus, you wonder, what is he going to do when he sees that? He's moved to compassion. He looks at his disciples and he says to them, pray that the Lord of the harvest would bring forth laborers. Because what? The fields are wide into harvest. It's the opportunity before us. So then we get into chapter 10. I mean, we already talked about that the last time I spoke in Matthew. That just seems to be a wild idea about that's his response? Well, his response is you and I, his disciples. So when we come to chapter 10, we're going to look at chapter 10 and chapter 11. We're going to look at his commission. What he sends us out to do how he sends us out to do it. And the first thing we're going to see is today, especially in verses 1 to 4, because that's where we're going to focus at today, we're going to see that he chose 12 men, 12 men, 12 ordinary men, to basically turn the world upside down. Well, you're going to look at that and say, wow, they're, that's they're pretty amazing men. Yeah, they're amazing because God made them amazing. But the reality is, is they're just ordinary people. And that's what I want you to see is, is that God uses ordinary people like you and I. Do you understand what I'm saying? That how the world is reached, listen to me, how the world is reached is not through a great evangelist. It's not through some great program or some great ministry. How the world is reached is through who? Ordinary people. Now the problem is this. Here's the problem. You and I struggle with feelings of inadequacy because you're here probably because you're a follower of Jesus. You're saved. You've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you know that you're supposed to share Jesus with other people. But the problem is, is that you struggle sometimes with the whole concept of feelings of being inadequate in doing that. And what do I mean by that? I want to show you a couple things. Number one, it's not that we don't recognize that We do recognize that We recognize that people need Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You recognize that. Nobody's got to convince you of that. You interact every day with people who are going through things, who are facing financial issues, who are facing marital struggles, who are facing health issues, who are destroying their lives because of just choices that they've made, bad choices that they've made. You and I recognize daily that people need who? Jesus. We recognize that in our country, right? We recognize that in our world. That people need hope. That they need Jesus Christ. Now, we would all agree with that here. And we all would agree and we would all say we need to do something about it. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When we say that we need to do something about it, we don't include ourselves in the we. We just kind of say we... In a generic sense. Like we're speaking for the group, but we're the exception. We need to do something about it, but that doesn't include me because I have feelings of inadequacy. That's what we do. Why do we have those feelings of inadequacy? Here's the second point I want you to see. We believe we don't have the knowledge to share Jesus with others. We believe that we don't have the knowledge to share Jesus with others. Here's what's going on. We feel inadequate because you might, you might be here and you say, well, you know, George, it's pretty good for you to share, for you to talk to people about Jesus, but look at all your training. Look at all your Bible knowledge. I don't have that. I can't answer their questions. What if they ask me a really weird one? Like, does Adam and Eve have a belly button? How do I answer that? Trust me, they're not going to ask you that one, okay? So we feel, we feel inadequate. So here's what we do. Here's what we do because I do it too. This is the universal struggle. Listen to me. And maybe because we tried to answer him one time and somebody rejected us, or maybe we tried to answer it and some guy tore apart our answer. Here's the problem. I want you to see. This is what we do. The negative feelings and a negative experience makes us, listen to me, Not share at all. Now we know, let me just stop, that's totally separate from us recognizing that people need Jesus, right? Totally separate. But when it comes to we need to help them, I'm the exception in the we. Because I don't feel that I can do it. So it's got to be somebody else to do it. You know, in a group like this, if we were to... Ask a question. Let me ask a question, okay? You're here and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let me ask a question. How many of you would say that the person instrumental in you coming to Jesus Christ was either a family member, a relative, somebody you worked with, a friend, or a neighbor? You could say, I came to Jesus because of one of those four people. Why don't you raise your hand today? Okay, look around. That's a lot of us here. That's a majority of us here today. How many of you would say that you came to Jesus because of the efforts of a pastor or a ministry? How many of you would say that? Okay, there's a few hands that would say that. Now look again. Think about it. How many of you, again, because of a friend, relative, associate, or neighbor? Raise your hand. All right, look at how many people there are. All right, let's stop for a moment. How many of you because of the effort of a pastor or a ministry? Just a few hands. This is what I want you to understand. So much of what we believe about people needing Jesus, we're wrong in our thinking. We think that it has to do with the efforts of a pastor, an evangelist, or some ministry, when in reality, most people, which is even testified by the folks in this room, come to Jesus Christ because of the efforts of a family member, a friend, a godly person that you work with or a godly neighbor isn't that interesting and but yet we struggle with feelings of inadequacy thinking we don't know it all we don't have the answers aren't you glad that the person who shared Jesus with you overcame their fear of inadequacy and shared with you about Jesus aren't you glad See, this is what's going on here. We have these feelings of inadequacy. But what we're going to see as we get into this passage and we're going to look at these four verses, we're going to see something here that will hopefully help you to see that you have something to share. Look with me at verses 1 to 4, chapter 10. And when when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and his, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Lebius, the son, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now here's what we're going to do with these four verses. We're going to see, first of all, in verse one, that there was this empowerment that God gave them an empowerment. Jesus gave them an empowerment. And then we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the called. Who's the called? The 12 people that he chose to be his disciples. And and for you and I here today, the called is, do you understand? You're the called. What do you mean? He called you out of the world that you were in to salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're called. The Holy Spirit called you and you responded to the gospel. So we're going to talk about the called here today. And we're going to see that you and I are not any different than the 12 men that he initially chose to be his disciples that he sent out to do his work. Let's notice with me the empowerment. Look with me at verse 1 again. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Two things I want you to see here. Number one, Jesus Christ calls his servants, his disciples, to service. Jesus Christ calls his disciples to servants. Let me just go ahead and tell you this right now. Maybe somebody has told you something, and maybe you need to realize that they were wrong. You did not become a Christian simply to have fire insurance. What do you mean by that, George? You did not become a Christian simply to make sure that you don't go to hell. God did not save you for that purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't save you just to make sure that you wouldn't burn in hell. He saved you, listen to me, he saved you for a purpose, for works that he created beforehand for you to do. How do you know that? Ephesians tell us, tells us that. Because Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10, it describes us as God's workmanship, whom he created for for works that we were to do that he decided beforehand for us to do. Do you understand? God created you for a purpose. And he created you and he saved you for a purpose, and that was to serve him. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we believe that the only people who are called to serve him are the special few. Who's the special few? The full-time worker, the full-time pastor, or evangelist, or missionary. And then there's the rest of us. First of all, can I tell you, that's not in the Bible anywhere. He saved you, every one of you here, for a purpose, you need to grasp that. In fact, listen to me. You need to say that to yourself. So say it with me. I was saved for a purpose. Say it with me. I was saved for a purpose. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I was saved for a purpose. You know, the implication of that is tremendous if you think about it. What do you mean, George? The implication of that is is tremendous, especially when you think about that all of us here were saved for a purpose, but we all gathered together, and we are what is called the Kerwinsville Christian Church. So do you believe that Kerwinsville Christian Church exists for a purpose? Do you believe that? So let's say it together again. I was saved for a purpose. Say that. I was saved for a purpose. Here's the other one. We exist as a church for a purpose. We exist as a church for a purpose. Do you believe that? You need to. Because he uses ordinary people. Are you ordinary people? You better believe it. Nothing special in here, is there? Speak for yourself, George. (laughs) Okay. The rest of us are ordinary. You're awesome. Whoever you are. Okay? Here's what I want you to see. Jesus Christ called his disciples to service. He calls you and I to service for for service. He has a purpose for us. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus Christ empowers his servants, his disciples, for service. Jesus Christ empowers his disciples for service. I'm going to let you in on the biggest lie that has ever been told in the church. And here's the biggest lie. Yes, God called you, but you're supposed to figure it out on your own. That's the biggest lie. Yes, God calls me to serve him, but I'm supposed to figure out how to serve him on my own. That's a lie. Here's the wonderful thing about God. When he calls you to do something, and do you believe you've been called to do something? You have a purpose? Do you believe that? Okay, you believe that. Listen to me. Now, if he called you for a purpose... Do you think he knows exactly what you need to do and he will give you the ability to do it? You need to. You know, here's the thing. So oftentimes we think in terms of what I do for Jesus, what I do for Jesus. You need to quit thinking in terms of that. Here's what you need to think in terms of. You ever been to a city and see them building a skyscraper? I've been sometimes in cities around the world and you'll see these big cranes and scaffolding and they're building a skyscraper. Who, who knows what's going on with building a skyscraper? The master engineer. Now, when they build a skyscraper, it's not your local construction crew building the skyscraper. It's hundreds of construction crews building a skyscraper. They've got people whose job is only to do what? Electricity. And they got people whose job is only to do what? Sprinkler system. And they got they got a crew, just one crew, that installs nothing but toilets. I'm a toilet installer. Now, every one of them are part of what? Building the skyscraper. But there's one guy who's got the plan. And when they show up for the job that day, he tells them what? 67th floor toilets 65th floor make sure that the network cables are in for internet do you understand it's not about what you do for Jesus it's what Jesus wants you to do because he's got the bigger picture in mind and he will empower you for service what kind of service look at the things that are listed there I'm going to tell you right now remember what he said Here's what he said. Back in chapter 9, he looked at the people. He was moved with compassion because he saw that what? They were helpless. They were scattered. They were sheep without a shepherd. And then here's what he does. He empowers them to what? To do the very things that they need to reach their lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? To bring healing to their lives. To bring healing to their lives. Folks, he's calling you for a purpose. And the purpose that he's called you and I to, that he's called our church to, listen to me, is to bring healing to people's lives. Do you understand? Okay, George, that's pretty motivational. Wow, I could really get excited about that. But here's the problem, George. I'm me. And that sounds good for everybody else, but I'm me. And you don't know about me. You don't know that I ain't got it all together. I don't have the education. I ain't got the money. I ain't got the social status. In fact, I've got a bunch of failures in my past. Things that I regret. Okay. I think that's why he lists for us the 12. Look with me. Verses 2 to 4. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter... Andrew, his brother James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Levius whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Here's what I want you to see, folks. I want you to see that there are 12 names. Now, we think they're mighty names, except for the one last one, which we know is not a mighty name. But we think the other 11 are mighty because they're the apostles. They're the ones who started Christianity in this world. They're the ones who were the apostles, the early leaders of the church. We think they're awesome. And we think, I'm not like them at all. But I'm going to be honest with you, folks. That is, let me go ahead and tell you right now, that is a lie because you have obviously a whole lot more in, in, in common with them than you realize. So I'm going to give you four things about these, this group of people that hopefully will tell us that God uses ordinary people like you and like me. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, they were not chosen for their education. These 12, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, were not chosen for their degrees. They were not chosen for their, for their education. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, these folks, listen to me, were pretty, are you ready for this, ignorant A little bit later in the book of Acts you're going to see that some of them will appear before the ruling leaders and and there's a comment that's made that the ruling leaders will look at Peter and John and say recognize that they are ignorant fishermen except that they've been with Jesus. Now I'm explaining, let me ask you a question. How do you recognize that somebody's pretty ignorant? Do you recognize that by the way they carry themselves, by the way they walk, by the way That they act? Is that how you recognize somebody's ignorant? Is that how you recognize that somebody's ignorant? No, usually when you say that's ignorant, it's because they said something. Because of the way they spoke. And when they spoke, it revealed to them, revealed to these Jewish elite, that these guys are nothing but a bunch of country bumpkins from northern Israel. And that they're uneducated. See, let me just stop for a moment. Remember I told you we have these feelings of inadequacy? And the second thing I told you that we feel so inadequate in sharing our faith with others or sharing with others about Jesus or or ministering to them is because we think that we don't have the what? Knowledge. The training. The education. I'm going to tell you right now, aren't you glad that God didn't start out with a bunch of people who were eggheads? He started out with common people and how he impacted their lives. First thing I want you to see about them, they were not chosen for their education. You Listen to me. If you're here today and you're saying to yourself, I want to serve God, but I just don't know. Would you know, George? Fine, you can still serve God. I don't have all the answers. Fine, you can still serve God. Because God doesn't choose you Based upon what you know. Do you understand me? Here's the second thing I want you to see about them. This is the amazing thing. This is why church... uh, Here, let me tell you what it is. Political affiliations are meaningless to the calling. Political affiliations are meaningless to the calling. Listen, when you look at this group of 12 people, you may not see something there, but if you know a little bit about their culture, you begin to realize something. What do you begin to realize? Well, notice there it says that one of the disciples' names is Matthew. What does it say about Matthew? He's a what? Tax collector. Let me tell you how the Jewish people view tax collectors. It's kind of like how you view tax collectors, isn't it? You don't like them. But back then, they were a little bit more than irritated with tax collectors because tax collectors were collecting money for who? Rome. And they hated Rome. So here's what you see. Tax collectors were sympathetic to Rome. Now, that to me is interesting because you go a little bit further down the list and you see there's Simon the Canaanite. One of the other Gospels tells you that he's a zealot. Now, what's a zealot, George? Well, back in their day, the zealots were—Are you ready for this? A group of terrorists who were rebelling against who? Rome. Now, let's just stop for a moment. You got one guy who gathers money for Rome, and you got another guy who's fighting Rome. Do you think they're on the opposite ends politically? How can they sit down at the same table together? One person. Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus. See, the calling, this is, this is why you understand, we never talk about politics here in our church. 15 years, we never talk about politics in our church. I can tell you why. Because that's not the basis of our unity. And I know for a fact, because I have talked with you, we've got Democrats, we've got Republicans, we've got other stuff in this room. Here's what I want you to see. That's not not why we gather here. We gather here because of who? Jesus. Do you understand? It's not because of their education. It's not even because of their political affiliations. Not even because of that. Here's what I want you to see about these ordinary people that are just like you and I. Here's the thing. Jesus started a spiritual revolution with simple, common people. That's what you and I need to recognize. These are simple, common people. He started a revolution with that. He changed the world with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you think he can use you? You better believe that he can. Quit having these feelings of inadequacy. He can use you. Well, you don't know what I've done, George. Let me, let me just go ahead and tell you right now. You don't know what these guys did either. Do you understand me? You don't, in fact, we, we, we will read a little bit later on in the book of Acts that there's this guy named Saul, who's later called Paul, who becomes an apostle and he ministers to the Gentiles. Aren't you glad for that? But one of the things that we know about Saul called Paul is that he killed people. He was a persecutor of the church, a murderer, and God used him. Aren't you glad for that? I don't think you've killed anybody here, but he can use you. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Final thing I want you to see about these these guys, and this, this is amazing to me. The basis of their calling was their devotion to Jesus. That was the basis the whole purpose, the whole reason of them serving together for was one person, Jesus Christ. Let me just go ahead and say it right now. We're pretty simple here in why we do what we do. All right? right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna Just so you understand, okay? We're pretty simple in why we do what we do here. Why we do what we do here is not because we have a political agenda to push. We have none. Why we do what we do here is not because we have an abortion issue that we're hot about. We're anti-abortion here. We support an anti-abortion ministry. But that's not the reason why we're here. Why why we are here is not because we want social justice. That's important. Why we're here is simply one reason only. One reason only, folks. Jesus. Having people find jesus just like we found him right it's not even are you ready for this figuring out when he's coming back some churches that's all the time when jesus is coming back what's it you know what we believe that jesus and that's our hope and we will teach on it but that's not our purpose is to in the meantime before he comes back what share about jesus See, the basis of their calling was their devotion to Jesus. All right, let me just stop for a moment. You believe you got a purpose? Why do you believe that? One word. What is it? Jesus. Do you understand? Jesus.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.